Hey friends, this is Rick Renner. It's Friday and I'm already praying that God will give you a great weekend. But today we're going to wrap up our brand new series, which is called Dream Thieves. The subtitle says overcoming obstacles to fulfill your dreams. And today we're going to talk about the very last dream thief that you need to overcome. And if you can overcome this one, you can do anything that God will ever ask you to do. But this series comes with a great study guide so that you can read all the points, all the principles, all the Greek words while you're seeing or hearing the series. And we're also offering you my book by the same title, Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. I really love this book because I wrote it at such a pivotal moment in our lives when we first moved to the Soviet Union. I sat at my desk every day thinking about all the dream thieves that were trying to stop us from launching out to start the first Christian television network in the lands of the former USSR. And my friends, I'm going to tell you the dream thieves were stacked all around us. And I had to say no to every one of them one by one every day until finally we pushed through and we did what God called us to do. And you can do anything that God calls you to do, but you have to know how to get beyond those dream thieves. And I'm going to read to you today just a little bit from this, but let me remind you that if you need prayer, we're here for you and we want to pray for you. So give us a call or send us an email. And when you reach out to us, we're going to release our faith according to Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, call unto me, I'll hear you, I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things. We saw yesterday that a threefold cord is not easily broken, and sometimes you just need the support of others. And if you need somebody to pray with you, here we are. Give us a call. We're waiting for the phone to ring or for your email to show up in our inbox. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you two books as our way of saying welcome to the partner family. We're going to send you Denise's book, which is called The Gift of Forgiveness, and my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to partners. My friends, our partners are so important. We can't do what God's called us to do by ourselves, But with our partners, we're doing it. Partners put fuel in the tank so we can take the teaching of the Bible all over the world. And my friends, people all over the world really are watching. And when you become a partner, you help us take the life-giving water of the Word of God to them. Amen. Thank you in advance for becoming a partner. But today I want to read you just a little bit from page 233 from Dream Thieves. Listen to this. We all have crossroads in our lives, moments in time in which God speaks to our hearts and we choose either to stand by the word of the Lord or to go our own way. These crossroads can seem great or small, but none of them lacks significance. Our lives today are nothing more than the result of the decisions we made yesterday and all our previous days. We are the central control center of our lives. And ultimately, if you and I don't fulfill our divine destiny, we can point our finger at ourselves. And the last dream thief I want to discuss today is the one you have to overcome. And my friend, if you can overcome this one, you can do anything God will ever call you to do. And this last dream thief is called you. If you can overcome you, you can do anything that God will ever call you to do. One time I was in a 
program and I was being interviewed and the interviewer said, what's the biggest thing you've had to overcome? And I answered very quickly, me. (laughs) I've had to overcome me, overcome my flesh, overcome laziness, overcome lack of desire. I had had to overcome me. And the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, he that can conquer his own spirit is greater than one that takes a city. And my friends, if you can overcome you and surrender to what God is asking you to do, you can do anything that God will ever ask you to do. But the last dream thief is you. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bible, and today I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 6, and we're going to talk about overcoming you and the consequences of finally surrendering to what God is asking you to do. And when we come to John chapter 6, verse 1, The Bible says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Verse 2, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And when the Bible says a great multitude, it describes a massive, massive, massive multitude. And the verse says they followed him. And the Greek tense means they were following and following and following and following and following him. Then it tells us why. Because they saw, the word saw agrees with the word followed. A better translation would be, and a great massive multitude followed and followed and habitually followed him everywhere he went because they were seen and seen and seen, habitually seen, all the miracles which he did upon them that were diseased. And the word did is a form of the Greek word poieo, which carries the idea of creative power, which means they weren't just seeing normal healings and normal miracles, but they were observing miracles of a creative nature. And it so grabbed their hearts and their attention. They didn't want to miss a day without Jesus. So the massive crowd was following and following and following and following him everywhere he went. But finally, when you get to verse three, we find that in some way in which the Bible does not tell us, Jesus broke away from the multitude and went to the top of a mountain to rest with his disciples. Look at verse three. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. The word sat actually means to recline. We know that there was a lot of grass in that place. It was on the top of a hill that overlooked the Sea of Galilee. At the bottom of the hill was a big highway which went all the way from Damascus all the way to Jerusalem, finally to Cairo. And it was the highway that people used at the time of Passover to get to the city of Jerusalem. Well, Jesus is now on the top of that hill. He's reclining with his disciples. They're taking a rest. And verse 4 says, And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, which means from where they were reclining, they could look down at that highway, and it was loaded with people. They were all going south toward Jerusalem, and somebody in the crowd has discovered that Jesus and his disciples are on the top of that mountain. So rather than just continue to Jerusalem, they all take a detour, and they head up the side of the mountain to see Jesus. And this leads us to verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. The word saw is a form of the Greek word theomai, which is where we get the word for a theater. This was like a drama unfolding before his eyes. Jesus saw 
thousands and thousands of people leaving the highway. Now they're coming up the side of the mountain, and the verse says it was a great company. The Greek word means a great, great, massive multitude come unto him. The word unto is the word pros. He knew they were coming directly for him. He said to Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Well, the word buy is also the word for a marketplace. And if you read the other gospel writers, Jesus actually said to them, let's go to a local market and buy bread to feed these folks. So think of this. Jesus is on the top of a mountain. There's no markets nearby. Thousands of people are coming up the side of the hill to see him. And Jesus turns to Philip and literally says, hey, are there any nearby shops where we can buy bread to feed these folks? Where you're going to find out it was 10,000 of people. Even if they could find a shop, they wouldn't have that kind of bread. And when you come to verse 6, it says, And this he said to prove him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Well, the word penny worth in Greek is the word denarius. One denarius was one day's labor. So you have to understand, Philip was literally saying, Lord, if we were able to collect 200 days of income, even 200 days of income would not be sufficient to feed this crowd even a little. The Greek says just even a fragment. This was a massive, massive, massive multitude. And in that moment, <laughs> The disciples went on a food search. They're working the crowd, trying to find food as if they're going to be able to come up with enough food to feed this massive, massive multitude. Verse 8, And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, verse 9, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many. Well, let's take that verse apart. First of all, we have the word lad, which normally would be the word pice, which would describe a little boy. But in this verse, it is the word piderion, which describes a very little boy, probably a boy between the age of five and seven years old. And he says, we have found this little boy between the age of five and seven years old who has five barley loaves and two small fishes. What does that mean? Well, barley loaves, the word loaves actually describes a cracker. The word barley describes what the crackers were made out of. These were not big loaves of, of bread, if that's what you've imagined. Dismiss that. This was a boy that had five crackers. Well, if they were crackers, how big were the fish? Well, the Bible says two small fish. The small fish were so small, they would fit on top of the cracker. And what we find is this entire crowd was going south toward Jerusalem. This boy was probably traveling with his family, but before he left home, he reached for five crackers. He took two little fish, about the size of a sardine or smaller, tucked them into his pocket so he would have something to munch on on the way. He's probably been waiting all day for the moment when he can reach into his pocket, retrieve his crackers, retrieve his little fish, make a little sandwich and eat it. Now the moment has come. He's reached into his pocket. He's pulled out his five little crackers, his two little fish. He's put the fish on one cracker, put another piece on top. Just now he's about to eat it when suddenly a disciple says, don't eat that, don't eat that, don't eat that. We need that. The master needs what you have in your hand. 
And suddenly they grabbed the little boy, take him to the top of the hill to Jesus and presented Jesus, this little boy and his five loaves or five crackers and two small fish. It's so funny. Look at verse nine again. There is a lad here, Piderion, a little boy between five and seven years old, which has five barley crackers and two very small fish. And then he says, but come to think of it, what are they among so many? Well, hold on, hold on. If 200 days of salary would not buy enough bread to give everybody just a little fragment, how in the world were they going to divide five barley crackers and two little fish into small enough pieces to feed the entire massive multitude, which was probably about 40,000 people. I'll show you that in just a moment. And that is why Andrew now says, <laughs> come to think of it, Lord, this is pretty ridiculous. What is this among so many? And what happens next? The Bible tells us in verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sat down. And notice it says men. The Greek is the word andros. It describes to the men, the fathers, or the heads of households. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men or the heads of household sat down in number about 5,000. And from this verse, we can conclude how many people were in the crowd. First of all, Jesus said, hey, wonderful. We have food. And look at this. There's so much grass here. What a place for a picnic. Have the men, have the fathers, have the heads of households sit down with their families. And when you read the other gospel writers, he told them to do this in a very organized way by tens, by twenties, by fifties, by family clans. And just the heads of households alone were how many? The Bible says five Thousand. We have to remember we're talking about Jewish families. Jewish families were very, very large. It was not unusual for one Jewish family to have as many as 10 children. So if we just want to be careful and not exaggerate, we could probably estimate this was a crowd at least of about 40,000 people, perhaps even 50,000 people. And Jesus says, wonderful, we've got a crowd, we've got grass, we've got breezes, we've got food. Have everybody sit down and let them know they're going to be eating very soon. What do you think was going through the apostles' mind knowing all there is is five crackers and two little minnows and now we're telling all these people that they're going to eat, but yet Jesus told them to sit down and get ready to eat. So they began to obey Jesus. And sometimes, my friends, you don't know how God is going to provide. You just have to obey God and trust him to provide. And the Bible tells us in verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. But in verse 11, when it says Jesus took the loaves, it is the Greek word elabon. A better translation would be Jesus received the loaves. And do you know what I've learned? Jesus never takes anything from you, but he will receive whatever you will put in his hands. He'll receive anything that you give to him, but he'll never take it. He'll receive your dream. He'll receive your family. He'll receive whatever you want to give him, but he'll never take it from you. You've got to willingly give it. And this leads us to the little boy. Now, Denise and I had three sons 
and I remember vividly what they were like between the age of five and seven. And between the age of five and seven, they loved to tuck little snacks into their pockets. Back in those days, we were traveling by car, preaching all over the United States. And when Denise and I were hungry, we'd look in the back seat and there would be Paul eating something that we didn't know that he had. He had tucked it into his pocket so he would have something to eat as we were driving along the way. And he usually didn't want to share because he had saved it for himself and it was special. Well, here's a little five to seven year old boy, doesn't even know who Jesus is. He's just traveling with his family to the city of Jerusalem and suddenly he finds himself on the top of a hill in front of a man that he doesn't even know who says, hello, little boy, would you give me your loaves and fishes? And the little boy could have said, you know what? I don't know much about you and these are my loaves. These are my crackers. These are my fishes. I've waited all day to eat them. I planned for this. They're mine. I have jurisdiction over them and no I'm not going to yield them to you. And you know what Jesus would have done? Probably would have patted him on the head and said, no problem, eat them, enjoy them. Jesus would have blessed them. The little boy would have eaten them. And that would have been the history of the crackers and the fish. He would have been eating them. He would have eaten them. They would have been gone. And he would have never known what would have happened if he had put those things in Jesus' hands. I understand this. Because when Jesus asked me to pursue his dream for my life and move my family to the other side of the world, I was like the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. I said, but Lord, what about my ministry? What about everything that I've worked for? And the Lord literally said to me, you can stay where you are. You can do what you're doing and I'll bless it. But if you don't yield to me what I'm asking you to yield, you will never know what I could have done with your life. And I couldn't live with that question, wondering, huh, letting go is hard, surrendering is hard, walking away from what we've built is very hard, leaving security is hard, but if I don't yield, then I'm going to wonder all of my life, gee, I wonder what would have happened if I had surrendered and obeyed the Lord, and I couldn't live with that question. So Denise and I came to the moment where we surrendered. And my friends, there are great consequences of surrender. Look at what happened again in verse 11. And Jesus received the crackers. He received the fish. Again, he didn't take it, but the little boy surrendered and Jesus will take whatever you put in his hand. And Jesus received the loaves and when he had given thanks and distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And the next verse says, and when they were filled, in Greek, this is called pluperfect, when they were doubly filled, which means there was so much food to eat from these five crackers and two little fish, the people were laying on their side saying, oh, why did I eat so much? And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Verse 13, therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, which had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said this of a truth is that prophet which should come into the world. The disciples were simply flabbergasted that Jesus multiplied five crackers and two minnows to feed ten thousands of people. But what do you think the little boy said to himself? 
as he walked in the grass on the top of the hill and saw people laying on their sides, holding their sides, saying, oh, why did I eat so much? When he saw the fragments that remained laying in the grass and then the disciples picking up 12 basketfuls of fragments that remained afterwards, no one understood the miracle like the little boy. And he could have literally said, wow, you know what? All this started with my crackers and my minnows. He understood the miracle like no one else. But because he made the decision to release what he had. For you, this may be job security. It may be living in a comfortable place. It may be choosing new friends. It may mean relocating, launching out to do something that you've never done before that's unfamiliar to you. Releasing what you have into the hands of Jesus it puts you into a position to see Jesus do something beyond your wildest imagination. And my friends, if you can just overcome you and say, all right, Jesus, I'm going to release into your hands what I have. He will receive it and he'll make more of you and your life and your family than you could have ever imagined. And this is what he's waiting for. And if you'll just overcome you, and release what you have into the hands of Jesus. He'll pour you out and make you a blessing beyond your wildest imagination. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. Many people start out with a God-given dream and a passion to see that word from the Lord fulfilled in their lives. But the longer it takes for the dream to come to pass, the less their hearts burn for it, until sadly they release God's dream for their lives altogether letting it slip out of their hearts and hands and into oblivion. You need to know as you pursue your dream that you'll encounter dream thieves that will try to steal the dream from your heart. And in this 10-part series, Dream Thieves, Rick Renner will show you how to identify these dream thieves and how to overcome each of them. In this series, you'll learn how to hold fast to the dream God put in your heart, how to identify dream thieves that come to steal your dream, how to come into divine alignment with God's plan for your life, how to take steps to fulfill your dream. This practical and helpful 10-part series is available in digital or physical formats starting at just $20. In addition, we're also offering you the 254-page book, Dream Thieves, for $15. As you read this book, God's purpose for your life will be so stirred up in you that you'll put questions and fears aside and begin to aggressively pursue what God has been telling you to do. Don't miss these exciting offers, this series, Dream Thieves, and the updated book, Dream Thieves. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. The holiday season always brings about fond memories and cherished traditions. For many, one of those cherished traditions is the reading of the Christmas story. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, your family can uncover the beautiful details of the nativity story you have never heard. When I was growing up, I heard the same Christmas story year after year, and I loved it. When I got older, I found treasures in the Christmas story that no one had shared with me. That's what is in this book, and I wrote it to share with you and for you to share with those whom you love. Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, the rest of the story, invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across decorated pages in a coffee table-sized format. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, 
you'll receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. Christmas is a special time when you can pass your faith on to your children and grandchildren. With this engaging new book, you can reinforce the true meaning of Christmas, Jesus, the Savior of the world. With magnificent illustrations across nearly 300 pages, your family will create a special tradition that will last for generations. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book Christmas, The Rest of the Story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. This is Rick Renner and my friends right now, we're in the very middle of our ministry expansion project. It's three phases. Phase one was building the new studio in Moscow. You helped us do that. Thank you. Phase two was finishing the interior of the studio. You helped us do that. Thank you. Now we're in phase three, which is retiring the debt on the ministry headquarters in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our ministry has never had debt. The reason we've been able to do what we've done is because we've never had to service debt. When we built our building in Riga, we did it cash. When we built the building in Moscow, it is amazing that we were able to do it with cash. And now we want to retire the debt on the Tulsa headquarters building so we can liberate all that money to really take the teaching of the Bible around the world. You know, it's never about buildings. It's about having an anchor where the Word of God can go forth. And in that Tulsa facility, we're taking calls from people who are literally calling us from all over the world. And from that facility, we're producing TV programs, social media, we're fulfilling orders for books and giving away thousands and thousands of different resources to people who are reaching out to us because they believe that we provide teaching they can trust. And it's very important that we retire that debt as quick as possible because it will liberate funds for the preaching of the word to the ends of the earth. And that is what we're called to do. And today I want to ask you to please continue to be a part of our giving team so we can retire the debt on the Tulsa building and then we'll be finished with the ministry expansion project. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for becoming a part of the giving team. Today, I've been talking about the consequences of surrender. When you surrender what you have into the hands of Jesus, he takes it and he multiplies it beyond anything you could have ever dreamed possible. And today, if you're at that crossroads where you're deciding to hang on to something or to release and launch out in faith, give us a call. We'll pray with you. We'll be a voice of encouragement to you, or you can send us your email. Either way, you can call or you can write. And we're going to really pray for you. And remember that today is the very last day we're offering my series called Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. And it comes with a study guide. And today is the last day this week that we're offering the book called Dream Thieves by the same subtitle, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. And today we've seen the last dream thief you need to overcome is you. And if you can just get over yourself, if you can just say, all right, Lord, I'm going to really trust you and release what's in your hands into the hands of Jesus, he will receive it. He'll never take it, but he'll receive it. He's waiting on you to surrender it. And my friends, 
the consequences of surrender are simply magnificent. He'll take what you surrender and turn you into something amazing. And Father, I pray today for me, for my friend, for all of us, that we would release what you're asking for, that you would receive it, and that you would turn it into something beyond our wildest imagination. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll be back on Monday, but remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.